At this time, before we dismiss the kids, I want to invite a Hope up. We're every week for the month of September, we want to highlight the kids' ministry. And so, Hope, take it away. All right. Good morning. How is everybody doing? So, I just have a few things. First, we have this sign-in board that actually sits out right in front of the kids' class that says, Please sign your students in that never gets anyone signed in on. So if you could please, when you get here this morning or any morning, go ahead and sign your kid in and just let us know who you are. So if we have any complications or any problems or we just sitting there at the end of service like, who is this kid and why are they still here? We can find you. Also, I just want to go over quickly what we're going to talk about today in Kids Church we're going through Exodus right now. So we're in Exodus 17, 1 through 6. And we're talking about how God always takes care of his children. So today we're talking about how sometimes in life God will put you into a situation and you feel like you've run dry. And you're like, what is going on? But God will always provide. So in this situation, they're in the wilderness and he sent him out. And he's like, go into the wilderness. And they're like, I have no water. And they're dying of thirst. And then... God says, here's a rock, here's some water, and then he provided for his children. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Awesome. Thanks, Hope. We have incredible teachers at Kids Church that throw papers all around. We do. We have incredible teachers. Ava, you want to go to class? You can go. Go. You're going to learn about the flood. No, you're going to learn about, where are we learning about it? <laughs> I expect every one of you to listen to me, and yet I failed just right there. That was awful. Well, it's the beginning of a new school year. Um, if you have kids, or even if you don't have kids, there's the reality there's a change that has taken place. All the kids are coming back. Trevin is now in seventh grade, which is wild to me. It blows my mind. I remember when he was a three-year-old. First time I met Trevin, he was three years old, and I was practicing the piano in uh, one of our rooms at the church in Spokane. And the first time I ever saw him, he had his hands over his ears yelling, too loud, too loud. And we've had a love relationship ever since. But mom and him, he made... Um, the last minute dash on Tuesday to get all the school shopping done and all the school supplies. Anybody else do the last minute thing or are we just us? Okay, cool. We will not ever invite you to our house because it's probably messier than yours as well. So whatever. But he's got some pretty, <laughs> he's got some pretty sweet digs. Um, definitely styling more than I ever did as a kid. He's got some new, what, what kind of shoes are those? Those Adidas? Adidas, really cool Adidas. He got this really nice Nike sweatshirt that mom bought on eBay. Um, just good job. Way to go. We got some deals. We, the Bursches know how to deal. It's true. We, we get some pretty good deals. But with school starting up, everybody at the Bursch household, we have a new routine, right? It's just our house has looked a lot different this week. We have really the idea of uh, Trevin sleeping until noon, which kind of became popular during the summer. Yeah, that's over. So that's kind of fun to wake him up. <laughs> 
Yeah, get up. <laughs> and with this new season, so there are. There's the routine that changes, your schedule changes, your bedtime changes, and it's a new season. And with all this newness going on, we're, we're new here. So Amped Up is over. Um, we are now just going to be non-amped up, boring, and lethargic. Uh, no, I'm joking. We're, we're still going to have energy, but it's a new series. And I, I'm pretty excited about this series. We've entitled it My Story, Living a Life, Living a Story Worth Telling. How many of you love a good story? Anybody have someone in your house that just knows how to tell a story, right? Maybe it's a grandpa or an uncle or something. And they just start going. Maybe it's Randy Ford, right? You just start talking. You're like, I want to hear your story. And, and the reality is we have some stories too, right? We just say, you know, I got to tell you about the time when we did this or the time when we did that. In fact, for me, camping. I love camping. Some of you think camping is the dumbest idea. Like we have evolved in a society that we don't have to sleep in the woods. That's what hotels are for. But for me, I love camping. And one of my favorite parts about camping is what? It's the campfire, right? Campfire sitting around, telling stories, hearing stories. So we all have these stories, right? It's... It's let me tell you about a time when I had a problem and I, and I came up with a solution for it. I remember the time that I decided to make, I made a decision and I st- decided to start something and then uh, this happened or that happened. Or I'll tell the funny time about when I did something really stupid, right? And, and then this happened or that happened. And we love to tell these stories <clears throat> and, and we all do it. And Ava's always asking me to tell these stories about my life. But unfortunately, all of us, we also have stories that we'd rather have untold, right? Maybe not just a story, but like entire chapters of our life that we really would rather not tell anybody about. And so to remedy this, this we all kind of do this, is we, we edit some of the old stories. You ever edit the story, right? You just change it a little bit. You maybe even lie about certain parts or you, you leave certain parts out of the story because you want it to sound better than it really was. Because there's parts of your story that you're embarrassed by or you're ashamed by. But good or bad, stories remind us, and this is a key for today's sermon, stories remind us how important decisions are. Decisions, even the ones that seemed pretty insignificant and small at the time, decisions are so very important. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever go back and really think, you know, I remember somebody invited me to be a part of that co-ed softball team. And then I was part of that co-ed softball team. And on that co-ed softball team, there was four Christians and the four Christians, they were pretty cool. And then they invited me to go to church and I was like, Hey, they're not that bad. So what the, Hey, I'll go to church with them. And then all of a sudden I heard a message and then something happened and God got a hold of my life. And Oh my gosh, my whole life was totally different. I can trace it back to that simple decision to go play softball, right? Anyone have a story like that? in your life absolutely the small things the small decisions or maybe you thought you know i got to take this class and and it's an elective just to be able to graduate but i heard that there's this one class you remember that one class that everybody took because you know it was an easy a but you enrolled and you didn't even care about the subject but then all of a sudden you started learning about that subject and you fell in love with that subject and you changed your major now you've got a career all based on that one simple seemingly insignificant decision to enroll in that class Right. Do you ever do that? Do you ever go back and look at your life and say, well, I cannot believe how that decision impacted my story. Other side is true as well. Stories aren't always positive in my own life. I think about it. Sometimes you look back, and you go, man, I had no idea what that seemingly small decision, how it would impact my life in such a negative 
way. I look back, I, w- I say, I wish I wouldn't have started that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have never, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have not gone there. I wish I wouldn't have hung out with those friends because those friends, when I think about that decision that I made with those friends, I had no idea how my life would begin to unravel. Think of it this way. The decisions that we made yesterday determine the stories that we'll tell today. Right? The decisions that we made yesterday determine the stories that we'll tell today. And as we approach this new school year, this new season, I want you to understand the power of this truth. That the decisions that we make today, today, will determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Today. They'll determine the stories we tell tomorrow, regardless of how significant or insignificant you think the decision really is. Our decisions really matter. It makes me think about my senior year in college. Senior year in college, I'm at the University of Wyoming. I'm a pre-med biology major. I'm uh, part of a a campus Christian group called InterVarsity Campus Fellowship. And we are, I'm a leader on the group, and we had groups on Friday nights. And we were doing a group that night, but also I struggle with obsessive compulsive tendencies where I pick at my face. And I picked at my face so bad that day that I was a little embarrassed because you have scars all over and your face is all red. And so I, I was thinking about not going. But then I knew I should go. I, I knew it was the right thing to go since I was a leader. So I went to that group. That night we had a guest speaker who was talking on the 1040 window, which is the area of the world that is the least reached region for Christianity. Um, a lot of Middle Eastern countries are in there in Asia. And, and so he was talking about that. And the Lord tugged on my heart that I was supposed to go there and be a missionary. Now, I couldn't go and just say, Jesus loves you and come to Jesus. So what I was going to do is I was going to become a doctor. And I was going to move over there, become a doctor in a country like that, and just let my life be my witness. Even if I was never able to say the name of Jesus, that I would be able to shine the light of Christ wherever I was. And so I got home during Christmas break, took my parents out to Bahama Breeze, which is over by the South Center Mall. And I I said, parents, I'm going, this is what I'm going to do. And my parents, being the amazing, awesome people that they are, they said, okay, we'll support you. Uh, we're, we'll be sad to see you go, but we love you and we want God, you to do what God's calling you to do. So then I signed up for the world. I had a year, a year to play with before I went into med school because my fiance at the time, she was at an all girls Catholic school in South Bend, Indiana called St. Mary's. And she was finishing up her last year of college. So I had a year to play with. And, and so I decided to go to the World Center of Missions down in Los Angeles, where you take this year-long perspectives course learning about all the different religions of the world. Well, at the same time as this class, I also had a, I was contracted and agreed to play the piano for some concerts in Renton for the Rainier Chorale, which is a community choir group. And on the first day of school was actually, or the first couple of days of school were actually the first couple of concerts that I was playing for them. So I called the school and said, I won't make it to the first couple of days of school. They said, well, then you can't be a part of the program. So now I am devastated because I thought I was supposed to uh, go down there and, and learn to be a missionary and, and, and whatnot. And I'm pretty devastated. But then I'm in Wyoming and I get two phone calls on my answering machine. One was from a church called Life Center in Spokane from Joe Whitwer. And the other was from a church called Life Center North by Mike Mead in Spokane. What the hey is going on? I had no clue. Well, it was my brother. My brother had heard that I was so distraught and depressed about it that he called Foursquare. And the vice president at the time was uh, her lady was named Ann Roth. And her brother is Joe Whitwer in Spokane. So she called her brother and her brother called Mike. And I get two phone calls. I go visit Spokane in spring break of that year and I 
there were two very large churches. I picked the smaller church and I began an internship there. During that time, most of you know that I was beginning to feel this call in the ministry. My fiance at the time did not feel a call in the ministry. She wanted to marry a doctor. So she called off the wedding and lost the $5,000 deposit that was a part of the $25,000 wedding that we were going to have at a really cool mansion with the carriage and the white horses, by the way. But she called off the wedding and I started living in the basement of an air conditioning company, making $150 a month at the church. And now, 10 years later, I am your senior pastor. <laughs> because I made the decision to go to group. That's a pretty, I mean, that sounds like a pretty small decision. But that's the story. That's absolutely the story. When I look back and that decision to go to group, I mean, it literally changed my life. It's amazing when we really think about how our decisions, they tell, they truly influence the stories that we're going to tell. I want to say it again. The decisions that we make today will decide the stories we tell tomorrow. So today, the big question that I want to ask is this, just how do you live a life worth telling? How do you live a story worth telling? How do we live a life that produces something that we would want to tell? And the answer, I believe, is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I found most of the answers to my faith are in the book of Hebrews. It's an amazing book. But this is our key verse for the study. And as we launch into this new season, I pray this would be true of all of us. This is what it says. It says, let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's read it together. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So how do you live a story worth telling? I believe you fix your eyes on Jesus. Right? That's kind of our thing here at LifeSpring. Jesus. Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. He's going to help us tell the story that God wants us to tell. So this is what we're going to do over the next four weeks. We're going to make four decisions. I want every one of you to come every week to church. Don't miss a Sunday. Come every Sunday. Four decisions. Week one, we're going to decide to start. Today, we're going to start a discipline that tells the story that God wants us to tell. Week two, we're going to decide to stop. All of us have behaviors. We have mindsets. We have attitudes that hinder us from living the story that God wants us to live. So we're going to stop one thing that is interrupting the story. Third week, we're going to decide to stay decide to stay because it would be easier. Don't you know sometimes it would be easier to go? So often we want to quit on something when it would be better to stay. We quit on God. We quit on church. We quit on friendships. We quit on a dream. We quit on a marriage when it really would be better to stay. So we're going to decide to stay. Week four, we're going to decide to go. When it would be easier to stay, we're going to go because I can promise every one of you, guarantee every one of you, in order to tell the story that God wants you to tell, you're going to have to at some point, probably many any point in your life, take a significant step of faith and leave what's comfortable and do what God has called you to do. It would be easier to stay, but you're going to decide to go. So four decisions. We're going to decide to start, decide to stop, decide to stay, decide to go. So excited. Today I want to talk to you about deciding to start a discipline that will change your life, a life transforming discipline. Now, I'm not talking about starting a business or writing a book or thinking about starting a ministry. I will talk about that. That's week four. That's when we talk about deciding to go. But today we're talking about starting a discipline. 
I just got done reading a book by Dallas Willard. Anybody know who Dallas Willard is? Everybody should know who Dallas Willard is. An amazing theologian, intellectual uh, Christian. Uh, he, he wrote this book called The Spirit of the Disciplines. It's a great book. He lists all these disciplines that you have as a Christian. And hopefully you guys kind of understand what a discipline is. So he talks about praying. He talks about reading scripture, memorizing scripture, solitude, fasting, sacrifice, service, worship, on and on and on. He talks about all these things. And we practice these disciplines. Why do we practice them? To create a positive momentum in the right direction. That, that makes sense, right? So as I practice the discipline of worship or prayer, it moves me in the right direction. Direction. As I practice the habit or make a habit of studying scripture, it moves me in the right direction. If you've ever done that, it's, it's true, right? It, it, it moves us in the right direction. If you've lived long enough, the absence of those disciplines, what does it do? It kind of creates a negative momentum. Does, have you ever experienced that? Oh my goodness, have I experienced that? I, I am so needy for the Bible. Like you give me three days without the Bible and I am a mess. The Word of God is truly my bread. It is my substance. So you don't have those disciplines in your life, you will be going in the negative direction, the opposite way. And, and, and I want you to get excited today because today you are actually going to start a discipline that will transform your life. And each week we're going to look at an Old Testament story and we're going to see these people making these decisions to change the direction of their lives. Today you're going to make a decision. It will change the direction of your life. Today we're going to look at Daniel in the lion's den. Everybody say lion's den. I love that story because the guy has the coolest name in all of creation. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Now if you've watched the story or watched the VeggieTales version, you know that Daniel... Sang some really cool songs, one, if you watch the VeggieTales version. But he also was looked upon favorably by King Darius. Nice try. King Darius. So King Darius, he selected 120 satraps. These were like governors that ruled the territory. He picked three men to be over the 120. Guess who was one of the three men? Do you remember? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel was one of the three. Daniel so stood out in his integrity, in his leadership skills that the king said, I want to put Daniel in charge over everyone. And these 120 guys, do you think they like that? No. Do you think they like that? No. No, they were jealous. They said, we got to put a stop to this teacher's pet, Daniel. And so we're going to pick up the story. Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. I love this. But they were unable to do so. So stop right there. What are they doing? They're trying to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the uh, running of the government affairs. And we're all familiar with this, right? Just turn on the 24-hour news channel, any of them, and you're going to see they're trying to find a little dirt, right? Find some trash. Find a reason to make charges against the other person. But these guys, these administrators, they can't. They can't find anything. The Bible says they could find... This is powerful stuff. Don't, don't rush over this. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never... Say never. This is powerful. We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They come up with a plan, basically goes to the king. Hey, king, we got this great idea. Wouldn't it be awesome if for like the next 30 days, no one would be allowed to pray to anyone or any God except for you, O king. And then if they did pray to another God, you would throw them into the lion's den. 
The king said, hey, that sounds pretty cool to me. I like it. Let's make the law. No one prays to anyone except for me. If they do, they are thrown into the lion's den. So let's read. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... Again, this is Daniel, just incredible. And when he learned that the decree was published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees. And what did he do? Let's read this together. He prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. Think about this. I mean, who knows for how long he had done just as he had done before i mean most certainly weeks probably months maybe perhaps years maybe even a decade three times a day daniel stopped whatever he was doing made an appointment with the one true king his god knelt down before him aligned his heart with the heart of god worshiped god prayed god said god your will be done why do you think he was successful? Why was he a man of integrity? Why was he looked so favorably by the king? Why did he rise in influence? Because he had made a decision, a decision years ago to start three times a day praying to God. And God transformed his story into the story that God wanted Daniel to tell. I want you to see that the decisions we make determine the stories that we will tell. I want to pose two questions to you. First question is simple. I just want you to ask the question, what does God want you to want? What does God want you to want? Another way to phrase it would be, what is the story that God wants you to tell five years from now? We'll just say five years from now. What is the story that God wants you to tell five years from now? What is it? And when you think about that answer, if you're really honest, if I was honest, we'd say, yeah. When I think about the story that God wants me to tell in five years, right now there's an area in my life that just really should not be how it is. Right? Or maybe it's so far we go and say, you know the chapter that I'm writing right now? It is not going to end well unless I make some changes. Have you ever thought about that? If I really took out and extrapolated five years from now how I am living right now, it is not going to end well. So ask the question, what is the story that God wants you to tell? And think about how you're currently living. And for some of you, maybe it's a different financial story. And if you started the discipline today, and, and I don't know what it would be, maybe it's you start a budget, maybe you take a financial class, I don't know what it would be, get a mentor, start cutting up credit cards, whatever it would be. But if you start getting a hold of your finances today, five years from now, your story could maybe go like this. You know, I can barely believe it, but five years ago, we were living paycheck to paycheck. We were drowning in debt, but we started fill in the blank. And now after five really hard, disciplined years, We're completely out of debt. No more credit card. No more student loan debt. That could be your story if you start the discipline today that allows you to tell the story later. There could be some of you that you think about your life. God, his desire for you is just that you'd have right priorities. Right priorities. Because right now you don't. You know you don't. But five years from now, maybe you could. If you started the discipline today, your story, maybe five years from now, would sound like this. Well, several years ago, I wasn't a good husband or I wasn't a good spouse. I wasn't pursuing or maybe I was pursuing my career more than I was pursuing anything or anybody else. And I had my career as my God. And so I told myself that I was going to do this for my family. I was going to work hard just because I wanted to provide for my family. But it was all a lie. I was really just doing it for myself. And so I decided to make a change. I decided I would come home every day at six o'clock no later i set boundaries i set limits and now it's totally different i've got the marriage that i've always wanted my kids actually know me and i know them and i'm involved in their lives that could be your story five years from now if you start the discipline today do you believe it 
For some of you, it's more of a story about how you take care of your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You may be from several years from now telling a story like this. It's hard to believe, but a few years ago, my eating was just out of control. My knees hurt. My back hurt. But it's amazing. I made the decision to start eating right, or I started exercising, or I started whatever it might be. And my whole life is different because I started a discipline to help me tell the story that God wants me to tell. So what does God want you to want? I want every one of you just to take some time, whether it's now or later, just write down what God wants you to want. Daniel prayed three times a day. And his decision to honor God with his time, to honor him with his devotion, it set him to be one of the most trustworthy and honest people of all time. Someone who continued to walk with an incredible amount of honesty and integrity, even, listen, even when the decree sealing his fate was pronounced. He continued to live that way because he had made the decision to start giving the best time and his best effort to God long before that decree of King Darius threatened his life. See, Daniel ended up telling the story that he knew that God wanted him to tell because he decided to start. And it is a story. Think about Daniel. It is a story that is continuing to be told. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You think about it. He made those decisions and we are telling his story even today. And so let me bring an application question to you. And and it's this. Based on what God wants you to want, based on the story that you know God wants you to tell, answer this question. What do you need to start? What do you need to start? What do you need to start? To start in order to tell that story that God wants you to tell. What do you need to start to live a story worth telling? And here's the key. What I want you to do is I want you to pick one thing. And one thing only. Because if you're like me, I'll pick like three things, five things, seven things, a hundred things, right? All these different things. And the truth is when you try to do seven or nine or a hundred things, you're not going to do anything. Anybody ever been there? That's, that's called January 1st, right? <laughs> we get up January 1st, have all these things, we end up doing nothing. No, just pick one thing. And commit to that one thing and pray to God. Say, God, what do you want me to want? What story do you want me to tell? And then what discipline do I need to start today to tell the story of my future? These are powerful, life-altering questions to ask. I just want to share a couple that I, in my own life, a few disciplines that I've started in my life. One that's a while back and one that I've just begun. When I was in high school, I was very sarcastic. Uh, it was one of my spiritual gifts. I just had the gift of sarcasm. I, I knew how to make fun of you. I, I knew how to tear you down. I knew how to make you cry. I, I flat out knew how to put you down to build me up. And I remember before heading off to the University of Wyoming, my, my oldest brother, Jeff, he told me that I needed to be careful because I was becoming so sarcastic that he warned me that people would stop taking me seriously. He warned me that people wouldn't believe me when I was telling the truth. Of course, I didn't like him for saying that. I, I, I was very annoyed by it. And I didn't believe him. But it was like, literally like the next day. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was trying to give one of my friends a compliment. And my friend said, shut up, Bursch. I was like, no, like, like I'm serious. And I said it again. He's just like, whatever. They wouldn't take me seriously. Scared me to death. My brother, he was right. See, I was so sarcastic to everyone around me that my closest friends, they were not even able to receive a compliment. And so I made the decision when I went to the University of Wyoming that I was going to leave my sarcasm in Washington. Now, you think that was easy for me? No. 
Not at all. It was extremely hard because sarcasm had become a very important part of my personality. A lot of my humor was sarcasm. My humor was ripping you apart and making fun of you. But I wanted to be known from then on. I wanted to be known as someone that you could believe, that you could trust, and that my words would mean something. I wanted that so desperately, and I knew that God wanted that for me as well. And so I walked in that discipline. And again, it was hard But by the grace of God, 14 years later, I am a radically different person. I tell the truth all the time. I I tell the truth. I tell the truth, don't I? All the time. I tell the truth. I try to tell it in a loving way. Sometimes I screw that up. But I'm not that sarcastic. Every once in a while, maybe. But I'm honest. I'm truthful. And I love living that way. It is such a stress-free way to live and a peaceful way to live. But I had to make that decision to start. Another decision is one I'm currently right in the middle of. Uh, just begun, like two weeks ago. I, lately, I've just allowed my job to really take over my life. I've been living without boundaries, living without margin. I'm available to everyone at any time. And with this, my family, my wife, my kids, they have suffered. I'm just working all the time. It's hard because I love my job. I love my job. And I've loved the things that it's allowed me to do. But the reality is with my love for my job, I've allowed things to get out of balance. And so Mary and I, we've had to have some pretty serious conversations about it all. One time we were talking just, again, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we were talking about my workload. And and I was getting kind of frustrated. So in the middle of the discussion, I I turned to Trevin. and I go, Trevin, well, let me ask you a question. Be honest with me. Do I work too much? He goes, yeah, you work all the time. You never stop working. No matter where you are, you're always working, whether it's in the morning or at night. And I'm like, like. <laughs> But he was right. And there was a dagger in my heart. And so I've made the decision to get my life back into order, which already has made some of you not that happy. I, I get it. It means that I can't always visit you right away when you're sick or respond to your email, your text, or your voicemail as soon as you might like me to. And, and the reality is I'm going to frustrate you more and more. But those feelings that you're experiencing, I just want you to know that's what I've been doing to my family for a long time now. And this is why I did it, actually, to my family as well. Because I knew that they loved me. I knew that my, my wife supported me and stood by me. And that they would show me grace. And so I've taken advantage of them. And, and it's interesting. God has not been silent on this issue. My, my counsel, we have an incredible counsel here at the church. They've been warning me. My boss, my district supervisor has been warning me. At the last Young Leaders Retreat that I led worship at, I think it was like three spouses that just came down hard on me. Like, because they were senior pastors' spouses and they, they knew what was going on and they knew what I was saying and they were just did not buy any word that I said and just cracked down on me. My first class in my master's program, no joke, he, the first class was about boundaries and margin. You think God had anything to do with that? And my professor, he yelled at me. He told me, figure it out before it's too late. And so I've started, I've decided to start. I've dragged my feet on it. I'm not saying like I'm this angelic person that's doing this amazing thing. No, I have dragged my feet. I have tried not to start. But now I've decided to start. And in five years, this gives me goosebumps, but five years pray that I'd be able to tell the story of a life that has boundaries and a life that has its priorities in order, right? God first, family second, and then ministry. And the reason I tell you that story is because I made a decision to start. 
Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to be challenging? Yes. But I decided to start. It's not an easy decision to make. God has had to help me in several ways to make it. But I've made the decision to start. Another discipline that I've began to start lately is journaling. Anyone here journal? Journaling, it's a powerful tool. Um, it's never been a strong point in my life. I've had seasons where I've done. I have journals from years past where I did it every day. And, and those were great seasons. But it never became that habit, right? When I, when I started a small group this summer, we, we called the groups Rooted. And we met every week. And part of those 10 weeks is we journaled every day. Every day we had something to write down. And, and the reality is that group is over. Our last meeting was on this Thursday. But... I've loved it. I've loved journaling. It has really opened up the Bible to me and opened up the truth of God to me. And so I don't want to stop. I, I don't want to stop. I, I just, I want that to be in my life. Journaling needs to be a part of my life. So five years from now, do you think I want it to be in my life? Do you? Yeah. I'm going to be the journaling king. Come on. Yeah. And so this week I started journaling my soaps again. Soap, if you know scripture, right? You take a scripture from what you read that day. Observation. You give an observation about it. Application. How does this apply to my life? And then prayer. You pray over it. And so here's the question for you. What is it that God wants you to start? What is it? And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It might be really hard. But what is it? In light of what God wants you to want, what does he want you to start? What discipline? Some of you, you're walking through hard things. You're walking through, uh, maybe it's insecurities or overeating problems. Or maybe it's an addiction or inappropriate lust towards material things or negative thinking or unforgiveness. Whatever it might be. And you need to start going to counseling. You need biblical Counseling. You need to submit yourself to somebody else who has the wisdom to say, hey, here are the lies that you've been believing about yourself. But here is what the Bible says. And you need to renew your mind with the truth of the word of God or you're going to continue to build your life on the lies that you've been led to believe. You need to start biblical counseling. On that note, for the last two years, we have made the commitment to pay for your first two sessions of Christian counseling. Because counseling, I've gone to counseling for the last eight, ten years. It can be very expensive. So we provide that for our members here at the church. As long as we'll be able to financially do it, we'll do it. Because some of you, you just need to take advantage of that. Some of you, maybe you're married and your marriage just isn't what you want it to be. It's not what it could be. It's not what it should be. And you need to start something to help your marriage. Maybe you need to start reading a book together. Maybe you need to start praying together. Uh, Praying together is so powerful. It's amazing when you pray together every day for your marriage. uh, You could be really mad at your spouse. But then you think about how you have to pray together lately and it's later and it's hard to be mad at your spouse when you know that you have to pray together you have to work things out it's hard to look at pornography when you know that you've got to pray with your wife later on that day it's really hard to hold unforgiveness in your heart when you know that you have to pray with your spouse so you need to create the discipline of praying together for some of you i've heard this testimony before several times prayer actually radically changed a marriage just by praying together, right? I know you've heard it as well. It can radically change a marriage. Or maybe it's reading the Bible together or a book together. Maybe you haven't been alone with, without the kids since 1989. You just got to get away from the kids. Start a date night with your spouse. My wife and I, we went on a date last night. I took her on a date. And we get to my parents' house and she says, yeah, it's our semi-annual date. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Ah. 
But you can look back. Hopefully I'll be able to look back five years from now and say, do you remember when we started getting together alone two to three hours a week? It totally changed our marriage. Some of you, when you look at your spiritual life, it's flat. Your spiritual life is just not where it should be. And so you need to make uh, the idea of going to church and being a part of the church, you need to make it a real priority in your life. Not just attending whenever it's convenient or when you're bored or you got nothing else going on, but actually getting involved in church, using your gifts, using your talents to make a difference in it. Contribute financially, give, be a prayer warrior for it, engage in the community of it. Many of you in this room need to begin to make church a priority. It's a discipline. Or some of you, maybe it's to open up in the community, real community. We call our small group communities. Anyone know what we call them here? Life groups. Maybe you need to join a life group. Have others speak into your lives. I get that it's scary. I get that it can be intimidating. But it's so powerful to be genuinely and authentically known by somebody else. To bear your soul in a safe environment. To ask for help. To have others pray for you. You might need to start by being a part of a life group. Do you know in two weeks we're going to have life group signups. We have 12 life groups that will be kicking it up this fall. Twelve. There's like 12 people here. We, we have a life group for every one of you. Or maybe you need to start making God's word a priority in your life. I mean, to be spiritually strong. Don't you want to be spiritually strong? You want to be spiritually strong? Feed on his word. Or maybe it's journaling like I've decided to start. Well, then let's start. Be my journaling partner. Be my journaling buddy. Maybe we can get a group together and we can, we can just share our soaps together and we can hold one another accountable in that area. I don't know what it is that you need to do, but just start. No excuses, right? Just do it. Today, your life could be radically changed forever. The reality is God is already speaking to you. Right now, as I'm blabbering away, the Lord is speaking to you. And so again, what does God want you to tell? What is the story that he wants you to tell? What does he want you to live? How does he want you to live to have a story that is worth telling? And then where does he want you to start? What are the decisions that you're going to make today, today, say today, today, that are going to determine the story you tell tomorrow? As we get ready to close, I, I just want to show you, I, I think this is a powerful passage when you put it in the context of what I've been talking about. I hope this motivates you. It's from 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 13 and 14. This is King Ahab of Israel, and he has this prophet of God, and the prophet tells him that God is going to give him his opposing army in his hand. So, that's awesome. <laughs> Verse 13, it says, Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and he announced, This is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? So this is his opposition, right? This is his enemy. Do you see the army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 14, the king asked the question that any of us would ask. Well, who's going to do this, right? Who, who, who will do this? And the prophet replied, This is what the Lord says. The young officers of the provincial commanders will do it. And then Ahab, he asked another question. And in fact, everybody just asked this aloud with me. And who will start the battle? Say it again. And who will start the battle? The prophet said, you will. I love that. Isn't that good? So the Lord already said, I'm going to give you the victory. Right? The, the, the enemy is going to give them to you. Who's going to start the battle, Lord? You will. You will. I want to ask you the question. Who's going to start 
the discipline that will help you tell the story that God wants you to tell. If it's you, I just want you to say, I will. On the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. I will. Look at your neighbor. Say, I will. Look at your other neighbor. Say, I will. If you're looking at a chair, invite a friend next week. So who's going to start that battle? Who's going to start the decision today that will help you tell the story that God wants you to tell tomorrow? I hope that this church is full of people that would declare, I will. I will. I will start the battle. Because if you seek God, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he will author the right story. I have a full confidence in the Lord that as we seek him, diligently seek him and pursue him, he will write the right and correct story. And so Daniel, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done before. And why did God look favorably on Daniel? Why was he a man of integrity? Why was he trustworthy? Why could 120 men, 120 men find no fault in him? Because at some point in his life, Daniel made the decision, what others probably thought was a very insignificant and small decision, but he made the decision three times a day, I'm going to align my heart with the heart of God. And because of that decision, he was able to tell the story that God wanted him to tell. And I want this room to be full of a bunch of Daniels that you could live a story worth telling if you decide to start what God wants you to start today. Amen? Let's pray. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, I just pray that you would speak your truth and your word into this church, Lord. God, that we truly live your story making you known that we would live lives worthy of being told. With eyes closed, I I just pray this morning... I want to ask a very specific question, a direct question to every one of us. I don't want you to respond yet. I just I want to ask a question is, will you start? Will you start? Will you seek God? Will you start with that one discipline that could change your story? And the reason I don't want you to start yet, I don't want you to answer yet is because I want you to be focused. Just Lord, even now, be here with us this morning, because if you respond, yes, I want this to be a tremendously spiritual decision, not just an emotional decision, but in the spiritual realm, that this be a spiritual decision, not just a new school year, New Year's resolution, but this would be a fixing on eye or fixing our eyes on Jesus kind of decision, really asking ourselves. And I'm in there right now with you. What story does God want us to tell? What story does he want us to want? In light of what he wants us to want, what do we need to start? Not three things, not five things, not a hundred things, but that one discipline that he is calling us to start that will help us tell the story that he wants us to tell. And if you're willing to start, if you're willing to head into the battle, the Lord has already given you victory. And if you're willing to start, would you just lift up your hand? Amen. And just say, I will. I will. Absolutely. Put your hands up. Father, I just pray for everyone that put their hands up and said, I will. That those that are calling on you, those that are willing to go into the battle and go and start the disciplines that will help them tell the story you want them to tell. God, I just pray over them that they would hear specifically from you. Even now, in, in this time, Lord, as we're praying to you, God, just begin to speak specific words into their lives, Lord. Specific, I, I just even visually, I, I think of the idea of today there might be a new chapter being written. Some of you, I, I know that you desire to have a new chapter be written in your life. And today in the spiritual realm, a new chapter is being written. A chapter that is worthy of being told. Jesus, be the author of our story. Jesus, Father God, give us wisdom to start what you want us to start. 
God, we thank you in advance that there's going to be those in this room right now that will look back and say, several years ago, I was at this little church in the little town of Edgewood, and I heard this message, and I decided to start, and it completely changed my story. Let it be, Lord. And as we keep on praying, I, I just want to say this. I don't, I don't know if it's true in this room or not, but I just want to put it out there. there. There's a good chance that there are those of you in this room at the 845 service that you need to start something that will radically change your life forever. That years from now you could say, I was at this little church in the little town of Edgewood. And I decided to believe in God. I decided to put my faith and my trust in Him, to make Him first. Because there are those of you that are under the weight of your sin right now, the guilt of your sin. You don't know where you stand before God. And one day I pray that you would look back and you'd say, I felt so guilty. I felt so bad. Could God ever love me? Could God ever forgive me? And I decided to make Jesus not only my Savior, but the Lord of my life. And I was forgiven and I was transformed. And now I'm free. I have a ministry to work with others. I have a church family that's my home. I've got a purpose to live for. I'm living for something beyond myself. I'm living for God's goodness and the kingdom of God. And I just say that today your story is about to change. And those of you that recognize, yeah, maybe I believe in God or yeah, I'm not a church person, but all of a sudden something is drawing me right now at 10 o'clock, drawing me to the goodness of God. I recognize my need for him. I am a sinner and I need a savior. I believe Jesus is the son of God who died for me and rose again so I could live for him today, not tomorrow. Today, my story is going to change because I'm going to surrender my life. It's no longer my life. It's going to be his life. I give my life to him. I need his grace, his goodness, his forgiveness, his purpose. My life is no longer my own. My story is about to change through Jesus Christ. I give my life to God. If that's you this morning, if that is your prayer, your life is about to change forever. And if that's you this morning, would you lift your hands right now? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? We radically change forever as we start down the path. That God has created for us. But everybody just pray this with me. Heavenly Father. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Huh. My life is not my own. I trust in you. Fill me with your spirit. So I could live. The story. You want me to live. Today I give you my life. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.